Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Dr. Peter Caddick Adams is a professional defense analyst and military historian. He lectures at the UK Defense Academy on war and security issues, working out of 58 countries, his most recent book, and he's written many. His most recent book is 1945, Victory in the West. I uh, read a, an, uh, I don't want to call it an op-ed. It was just a, a really gracious um, tribute to Queen Elizabeth by uh, Dr. Caddick Adams. And it's headlined, Thank You, Ma'am, for Everything. And it's in the Critic magazine. And it begins with these words, I'm in a state of shock. I woke up on the morning of Thursday, 8 September, 2022. It was like any other day. Until the news which came a little day, little time after midday. Peter, thank you very much for taking the time. That must have been absolutely um, devastating. Uh, What what were the emotions you were feeling? Um, Shock, as I as I as as I wrote. We all knew at the back of our minds that the Queen wasn't getting any younger, and one day she would be departing. and like all of these things, you put it away because you you just hope it won't happen. And um, there are so many more things that you know she's got to look forward to to do. Um, so when something like that happens, um, the shock is all the greater, I think. Um, even though subconsciously, you, you know it's on the cards. Um, but I think I think if you're in the inner royal circle or you're part of a planning of all of this, you would have put started to put these plans in place from the moment she took the throne. So that's why everything so far has gone incredibly smoothly, because the 70 years of planning. Yeah, you wrote, um, and you are the military expert, you wrote about the military precision with which the last nine days will have been carried out um, before what occurs tomorrow. And then there's Operation Spring Tide, introducing King Charles to the UK in his and the Commonwealth in his new role as monarch. You share some of that with us, please. What would have been what would have some of the logistical realities have been like? Um, well, he's got to be proclaimed in in the, the major capital cities that comprise the United Kingdom, so Belfast, Edinburgh. Cardiff uh, and London. Um, And then that gets repeated, cascaded down in every little sort of town and village. Um, So, you know, that that just has to be proclaimed beginning as soon as the the Queen has died. And that's been confirmed. The Queen is dead, long live the King. Um, And I think the Prince would have been, you know, aware, Prince Charles, King Charles, as he is now, um, of all of that procedure, I think, as your as your loved parent gets um, much older, and particularly as his father had just had died only sixteen months earlier, um, it was probably uh, you know at the back of his mind that this could happen any time. Um, but I think we're, we're all grateful that there was no long lingering illness, uh, and it happens, you know, very very suddenly. And she had, and she had, Her Majesty had just managed to sort of. Um, formally kiss hands with the next prime minister, in other words, legally um, introduce and, and uh, allow the next prime minister, Liz Truss, um, to take office. So, you know, that was her final sort of public duty. Um, 
I mean, the entire royal family is driven by planning uh, and military position as part of their life um, because there's this huge planning staff that, that um, is involved in everything, and they all have royal equerries who are military officers. So this is why so much of their life is, is governed, uh, not by boring routine, but, but incredibly complex and, and very well-oiled military style planning. And it's hard work, is it not, being the monarch? You have to be on, even when you don't necessarily feel it. Uh, you have to know um, who's in the room with you, what their specialties are, what their interests are. You have to be able to guide and, uh, and if necessary, control the conversations. It's, it's hard work being the monarch. It's just as hard work being a host on a radio station, I think. Um, if you and I, Roy, were to put together a job description of yeah. a 21st century monarch, you know, we would start with three to five functions every day. Um, dinner most evenings. But wherever you go, you've got to put in the, the hard work beforehand of understanding the organization you're going to visit, knowing what they've just been been through, um, the, who the key people are, and what their future plans are. Um, and everyone I've ever met who's, who's met the royal family, and I've come into contact with them on several occasions, will always observe how incredibly well-briefed, and particularly Her Majesty the Queen, was on wherever she was meeting, whoever she was meeting. She knew it all you know, intimately, um, whether it's a charity or a school, and particularly the military, which is the, the sort of wellspring from where they all come. They've all worn uniform. They've all done their training. So they understand all of the, all of that ceremonial sort of right, right down to the sort of brass tacks. And, and it's incredibly tiring. I mean, you know, this isn't putting your feet up and let the footman sort of run around at, at your beck and call. Um, and there's no retirement age. You know, she, she could have, you know, in theory, I suppose she could have retired at 65, but you yeah. know, she, she carries on for another 31 years after that. Why? Why did she do that? Right, okay. Well, that, that, that one is easy to think about. Um, a lot of times, I'm sure people would have said, well, what about abdication? Mm -hmm. um, which is you know, re retiring if you're a monarch. Uh, and there are two reasons why. The first is she believed she had very strong Christian faith and was absolutely convinced that the reason why she was doing the job she did was, was because God had put her there. The Almighty um, had seen fit to, to give her, pass this role down to her, uh, and she was going to spend her entire adult life fulfilling that trust placed in her, and everybody who's ever met her would say and comment that she has this very strong faith, and that would be a you know, belief in the job that she had to do. So there was no way she was going to hand that over while she was still physically and mentally able. Um, and the second is abdication meant only one thing to her. You still there, Peter? 1936. And uh, Edward VIII, as he, he, he was then, decided to, to choose love over being a king. Um, and that made her father monarch. Um, and he did a very good job of leading his nation through the war. But what happened? He died very young because of the, 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 um, the strain on his fragile health. So she always blamed her uncle, Edward VIII, later the Duke of Windsor, um, for the whole process of events um, that led to her becoming king. 
uh, that led to her becoming queen and, and, and her father becoming right. king. Right. Um, and, you know, that, that was what was going on in her mind. So there's absolutely no way she, should, she could give up this sacred duty yeah. um, or, or retire because that would be repeating okay. her uncle's sort of scene, if you like. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 